Hi, I'm Jenny Matos, and welcome to Piece of Me by Zalando. On Piece of Me, we ask our guests to bring three items along with them. These items can be absolutely anything, and they reveal our guests' personal stories, what it takes to be successful in fashion and tech retail, and the lessons they've learned along the way. So on this special episode, we've put together the five most surprising items that our guests have brought along, each one with an important lesson attached or a story to tell. And I hope that you enjoy listening to the stories behind them. First up, we have Alison Jolie, who talked about something very personal, a scar. Okay, so tell me about the scar. Do you want to tell me where it is? Yeah, so it's on my right cheek. It goes from my hairline near my eyebrow to kind of my right eye and then back down to my hairline closer to my chin. So it's kind of a bit of an um, arrow <laughs> or a bit of a top of a triangle. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, before it was a scar, it was a, a freckle, um, which was something that I always kind of had since I was maybe 10 especially when I was a teenager, people used to point it out all the time and it used to be super annoying. I used to cover it up with concealer so no one would see it. But then when I was in my 20s, it became slightly raised. So it changed a little bit and I was kind of getting a little bit worried about it. So I got it checked. They didn't think it was anything. They were like, I oh, know you're too young. It's fine. You know, it won't be anything. And I was like, okay, but should we just like do some extra checks? And so we got the biopsy and then it came back as a melanoma. And whilst it had started invading the tissue, it hadn't spread any further. So I was super lucky that I found it. You know, melanomas in Australia, where I'm from, are quite prevalent. Yeah, so I had multiple surgeries to get it removed. And for some time, because I had to remove so, like so much skin to get rid of the the freckle at some point my face was kind of pulled so far to the right that I you know couldn't even completely close my mouth and if I thought it was annoying having being asked about having a freckle before then when I had this quite horrific in my mind quite horrific scar everybody just you know asked me about it all the time my health was the most important thing so that was good that it was gone but then You know, I was getting all these people asking about it all the time. And at first I kind of came up with fun responses just to make them stop asking. I'd be like, oh, it was a dog, a dog attack or a knife fight or it was a shark attack, you know. People believe that when you live in Australia, they think everyone gets <laughs> eaten by sharks. But, but um, yeah, since then I've kind of gotten more used to it and I use it like I see it when people ask me about it as an opportunity to kind of talk about sun protection and self-care And it's also just a reminder for me to focus on the important things, which is your health. And also it's kind of a reminder that things maybe never go the way that you want. So try not to sweat the small stuff. Next up, we have Hertje Brodersen, who brought in a tiny chair. It's a tiny chair, yeah. So it's a small chair. It's probably... You know, if you think of a little uh, dice that you, you know, to play games, like it's probably about double that size, like if you stack two dice, um, so it's really tiny. I think it's made out of brass. If you know me, whether that's as a colleague or a friend or a family member, and you've walked around any city with me, you will probably at some point see me say or hear me say something like chair, and then I disappear and run across a busy street and take a picture of some 
sad, abandoned, decrepit chair that's sitting at the side of the street. I've been trying to pinpoint when I took the first picture. It's probably somewhere between sort of 16 and 20 years ago. And um, I started taking photos of lonely chairs that were standing outside. And then at some point I started curating a little exhibit for my apartment at the time. And I called my apartment the misplaced chair gallery. Um, and I no longer live in that apartment and I no longer have the pictures of the chairs up, but I have an Instagram account and I use the hashtag misplaced chair gallery under which I collect all my chairs. And the funny thing is initially, so I, I think I started getting really active on Instagram around 2010 or something. And I remember people started taking my hashtag and I felt so offended at it. I was like, this is my hashtag. But then people started tagging me and like suddenly someone was writing from Turkey and I was like, oh, look, I saw this chair and I thought of you and I didn't even know this person. I thought they're traveling around the world and they see a chair and they think of me. And I thought that was amazing. And so now a lot of people who don't even know me use the hashtag. But it's also when, for example, I have a few team members who are out and about a lot and they keep sort of, you know, sending chairs across for me. And uh, I share those in my stories. And of course, I share all the chairs that I find on my travels right now. It's a real obsession. And it's like, once you start looking for misplaced chairs, you can't unsee it again. So I'm sorry, everyone who has been infected with the chair virus. Francis Jones brought along one of his collection of wind-up toys. And then I started seeing these wind-up toys everywhere. Not a particular kind, but just, yeah, wind-up toys. And I thought, oh, that looks fun. And I wound one up and it went crazy and it made me laugh. And there's something very uh, innocent, I don't know, very childish, but very fun about wind-up toys. And some of them are actually kind of fascinating in terms of how they're uh, constructed. Once you are on the lookout for them, you find them in places everywhere. You find these cheap plastic ones at the airport, for instance, or you find some very nice ones at a French flea market, or you find this one, I think. I bought this maybe at a Berlin flea market in Friedrichshain, I think. I mean, all of them are absurd. I think that's the thing. Like, they don't actually do anything for me besides make me laugh. So are these, just to make sure that everyone understands and I understand correctly. Yeah, you wind it up. You wind it up and then they start walking. And like One of them, you know, it's a rabbit and it claps cymbals together. One of them I have that's a breakdancing bear. Another monkey playing the drums. And another is a, a gorilla that does a backflip. Uh, I mean, I could go <laughs> on. Um, but this one here is like a spider with eight legs. Well, actually with four legs. So it's a four-legged spider. It kind of looks a bit freaky. And this one just, um, hold on, let me wind it up. <laughs> all right. You let it loose and it just, that's all it does. <gasps> it has little shoes on it even. That's amazing. So it does nothing but just make me laugh. Joyce Chen told us his lovely story about a simple wooden ladle. Yeah, so first one is a kitchen ladle. So I was born and raised in Taiwan. And after graduated from college, I went to United States for my master's degree. So one of the items my mom gave me was this kitchen ladle. When I moved to Germany in March this year, I have this item with me. And you know, to be honest, right, at the time, more than 30 years ago, I did not realize how significant this item would become. So it is an item you can buy anywhere. And over the years, I realized more and more it has become a cornerstone of my journey. And 
I brought this with me when I moved to Germany this year. The Taiwanese cuisine has lots of soup, and my mom had never visited U.S. not knowing what type of food I will have, but she insisted I have this very good sturdy tool for my soup. And naturally, I cook soup a lot. And whenever I use this ladle, you know, for the soup, which is quite often, it reminds me of my mom's love and support. And in a way, her love and support is feeding into me through this ladle. So it's just huge. And my lesson from this is sometimes things seem so insignificant can bring us the most comfort. And here it is not the ladle itself. But really, the meanings behind it, and I also think that when we work in teams, we can create and share rituals, right? That bring us together. As making soup with this ladle remind me of my mom. And finally, Tasha Truhoff brought along all kinds of surprising objects from her life, including a weaving loom shuttle. So, I've actually been a a weaver since I was about. 12, 13 years old. And it's a funny hobby, I guess, for somebody of that age. But my parents always sent me to art camps and this kind of thing in my hometown. And I really found weaving and floor loom weaving when I was quite young. And I say quite young because the classes I was taking, I think I was the youngest by about 30 or 40 years. <laughs> it's mostly older women who uh, are, are engaged in this hobby. But I now have a floor loom in my apartment in Berlin, and I do a lot of different artistic projects with it, weaving various things for friends. And, you know, I think that weaving is actually a great hobby. It requires a few things that I think are really relevant, not only to, to sort of making things, but also to my job, which is that it's actually a lot of planning. So if you think about mapping out a project, because you basically have a pattern that you want to achieve, you have to do a lot of planning and it's a lot of math to figure out what kind of project you're going to do. I used to always ask my weaving teacher when I was young, so how do you become a really good weaver? And she would say, it's about being a good planner and it's about being a good problem solver. She said, you're a good weaver when you've made every single mistake warping and weaving on your loom and you figured out how to solve them and that's when you're good because as much as you sort of plan when you're making a project let's say a scarf and you lay out exactly how much yarn you need and how big it's going to be what kind of fiber you're using all these things you will inevitably encounter something broken threads <laughs> your tension being off something getting strange that you have to solve but yeah i think uh, it's a great hobby and it's really nice to have an artistic outlet in addition to my job that's really fun and sort of relaxing and also kind of requires you to think a bit. Thanks so much for joining us on this special episode of the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and please join me in two weeks with my next guest and their three pieces of me.